Hi! Happy Curmudgeon's Day! Let us take a moment and celebrate all those who are cranky and fussy in our lives. That's me. I'm cranky. You sure are. Thanks for tuning in. I'm not so cranky anymore. Let us know that you're out there. Uh, smash that like button. Hit, hit subscribe, comment, anything. We encourage you to take your first steps into life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you've been hoping for. Would you stop by at Mayo High School for one of the services at 9.15 or 10.45 on Sundays? We would love to meet you. Yes, we would. We hope that you will find Echo to be your place, your people, and your purpose. It all can be found in one space. It's what we are all looking for. We have a surprise for you. Kicking off February 12th, in person, we are starting a new relationship series that we are calling Contending for Us. Here's a sneak peek of what you might experience. Christy, give us an update on how you feel. My eyelashes are smashed. I don't like sitting in the back. And I don't like knowing, not knowing what we're doing. But I'll do anything for french fries. Here we are, 18, almost 18 years of marriage and you're pushing against me the whole time. Why? <laughs> Just start walking, Christy. I don't know where we're walking. And let's blindfold you on the way out and see how you do it. <laughs> okay, Jordan, isn't that funny? I <laughs> thought it was I great. cannot wait. We want to invite you to invite someone to invest in their relationship by joining us throughout this next practical series. It'll be good and good for you. Oh, nailed it. Thank you for your obedience to God's word with giving of your tithe and your generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God's love, a cheerful giver. My cadence was a little weird, but I think you know what I'm saying. If you are looking to give cheerfully or even not so cheerfully, head to our website, Venmo us at We Are The Echo Church. Enjoy the rest of Echo Online Service. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this vagabond.
this morning. We know that you are our provider. Jehovah Jireh is your name. In this next song we're going to sing, it's about you being our provider, Lord.
God, we come to you right now and we just position ourselves for this to be a place of worship, for this to be a place of praise, God. And I just pray for every single person in this space right now, God. I pray for whatever battle that they are up against, God, that you are there in the midst of it, God. We are not here to minimize the pain. We are not here to minimize the circumstance. We are not here to minimize the week that maybe some people in this room have had, God. But I just pray right now over every single person here, God, that we can look to you and say, you are the great I am. God, you are our king. You are our father. God, that there is purpose in the saint, in this season. There's purpose in the pain. God, and I just pray that we can worship you right now, God, that we can give you our life. We can give you our circumstances, God. And sometimes it looks like it's a whisper of us saying your name, God. Sometimes it's us getting angry and fighting against what the enemy's wanting to tell us, God. But right now, I just pray for every single person that they sense that you are a God of peace, that you are a God who sees them, God, that we can give you our life and in return, you will show us. You will show us what it looks like to forgive. You will show us what it looks like to live for you, God. And I just pray over every single person, God, that they know that they have purpose in you, God, that you are the God of rescue. You are the God of restoration, God. And I just thank you for calling us by name as we pause and give back what you've given to us, God. In your name, amen, amen. Good morning, Echo Church. How are you doing? thought here in 2023 is this, is where we're drafting closer to Jesus or we're drifting away. We're, we're approaching Jesus or we're departing or we're drawing near or we're driving away. I really don't believe that there's much of a mutual space there, that, that God has called us to be intentional, to draw near to him. One of the scriptures that's dropped in, in, in my heart just at this moment is this, that God has called us to abide in him. And that takes a little bit of work. And honestly, it's a little challenging. And uh, so if you, have, open your, uh, if you want mine, open your Bibles up to First Peter. I'm gonna dive into some texts and I kind of wanna get a little teachy on you today. Can I do that? A little teachy, you know? So you can go to church and leave and go, I've been taught. <laughs> I've been taught. Uh, but before we jump into this idea um, in First Peter, I have to tell you that I had a elementary best friend and his name was Kirk Burge. Uh, can you think about that? Can you go back to your elementary experience? And, and anybody else out there, do you, have a, do, you, do you have a name, a face, you know, that comes to you? Like, dude, Kirk and I did about everything together. If, he, if I wasn't at his house, he was over at mine, and my house was always fun. My dad uh, and my mom made sure that we had some fun things there. And uh, so I remember we go-karted everywhere. I probably ran over him a few times, uh, and he still <laughs> chose to be my friend. Uh, but I remember when, it, it was funny when I was thinking about him today, I was thinking about um, the winter in Wisconsin. I remember this one particular time we were, because we're from Wisconsin, so we do this, I guess, as we were playing um, with squirt guns in the middle of January. <laughs> like, that's a great idea. You know, like, like it was so stupid. But anyway, um, I was so surprised when I broke his water gun 
You know what I'm saying? Like I fell on the ground and it just snapped in two, but you know, that's what happens up north. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, uh, and what I want to tell you about that relationship is super close during elementary, but when we got to junior high or middle school, we drifted. And we drifted because our interests change. Y'all get what I'm saying? Did anybody remember, you know, a childhood friend, you know what I'm saying? And, and maybe you were best friends then, but you aren't best friends now. And, and, and honestly, like, like our relationship changed because our interests changed. Because our interests changed, we weren't spending as much time together and we weren't in proximity enough. Therefore, he no longer was my best friend. Uh, and what I want to tell you is that, and what I want you to just, uh, in, a, in a kind of a funny little illustration, is I just want to tell you that, that God is a, a, uh, is, is a relational God. And we're a relational being. And if God is a relational God, he truly leads us with an invitation. And, and that invitation is that God, God would say this, is draw close to me. And I'm kind of bringing you down this little rabbit trail all to tell you this is if we draw close to God, then in turn, we're drawing close to each other. It just should be the natural movement of what happens as a follower of Jesus Christ. If we are close to others, then we will find ourselves close, close to God. Then we will find ourselves close to others. Now back to 1 Peter chapter four, it says this, uh, verse seven, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over the multitude of sins. Now, let me just pause here real quickly. Uh, I think God understood something and that, that's the concept of like, if you love someone, you're gonna get close to them. But if you're close to them long enough, then guess what? You need to be reminded that you love them. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so he has to remind them that guess what? If you truly love someone, then love uh, will cover a multitude of mistakes or annoyances, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and maybe some agitations. And so uh, that's what he's trying to remind us there. Uh, but verse nine is where I want to get to you. Peter says this, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Can I say that again, just in a different way? Offer hospitality to one another mutually. That's what one another means, okay? It doesn't mean one person to another. It means offer hospitality to one another mutually without tude. You know what I'm saying? Some attitude. God is reminding us, and, and he's actually not just reminding us, he is mandating us to be people of hospitality to one another mutually without having an attitude about it. And when I was reading that scripture, I was reminded of my favorite story. I believe it's in Exodus 19-ish. Okay, I'm not really great at addresses in scripture, but anyway, some of you noticed that, but we don't need to talk about it. But um, <clears throat> uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Israelites have been delivered from, from Egypt and they find themselves in the desert. And yeah, it's not maybe what it was, but they've been promised that they're gonna enter into a whole new reality and a, new, a, a promised land. And God is taking care of their needs and you know, Jehovah Jireh, you know, those components and, and, and they're taking care of the needs. But what happens is God hears the grumbling of his people. Isn't it so funny how we can have everything we need. We can sometimes even have everything we want. And yet our attitude just stinks. 
And, and, and it's so funny. He's telling us to be hospitable, to care and love for one, one another mutually, and yet we can create an attitude about it. And the reason why I think it's so easy to do that is because, because uh, I, I really... I do believe that uh, when, when we're told to do something, sometimes we can just create that attitude. You know what I'm saying? Any parents out there, you tell your kids to go do something good and they begin to grumble. You know what I'm saying? They got the toot in the, oh, come on. I got to eat this dessert. Okay, maybe that doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. Verse 10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What I want to teach you today, what I kind of want to break down is this idea and this word, hospitality. What we read in, in your scripture is that word hospitality, but, you, but if you go ahead and dive a little bit deeper into the Greek uh, we find there's a little bit different, uh, different meaning than maybe what we associate with just naturally. And so that word is made of two different words in, uh, in, in Greek, and one is philo and one is eximos, eximos. Philos is that word that's used for love. What, what I like about the Greek language is there's three references or three different words that help explain the concept of love because in today's culture, I can say that I love nutty bars and I love my wife and just, it's a confusing statement and it never really works well at my home. So, <laughs> although I do truly love both of them, um, one more than the other. But um, so philo is this idea, this love uh, like a friend this friendship type of love. And if you got a friend, you know, that's a true friend, you know that feeling. And maybe it's not, it's maybe less of a feeling. It's just that more of that tangible commitment, uh, a part of that concept of love. Now, the, the other part of that word, as, I, as I've already mentioned, means stranger or foreigner, so if we are breaking down this word, it means this. It means to, to love the stranger. Let me say it like this. It means to be a friend to the stranger or to the foreigner. And again, we read the scripture and we can, we can, say, we can see that, 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 that we are being mandated as followers of Jesus to be hospitable. But what I want us to do is to actually understand what the scripture is telling us and what the scripture and what the Holy Spirit wants to tell all of us is this, is be caring and loving and welcoming to the stranger and to the foreigner. And that word uh, with, when it comes to stranger and foreigner, uh, it, when I was studying and I was diving into scripture and thinking about what I was going to talk, reminded me of a concept in the Old Testament called gleaning, which we don't hear much about today. And so I'm going to read a scripture. And this was a principle. This was a concept that God taught his people, the Israelites, to live when it came to how they were supposed to 
interact with the foreigner and the stranger. We find that in, in the text, uh, Levit- Leviticus 23, 22 says this, when you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, moreover, you shall not reap to the very corners of the field nor gathering the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the needy and the foreigner and the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. This concept that, that, that God taught his people was this, care for the people who do not care about you. Even in the Old Testament, he, he, he wanted his people to, to care for the stranger, to be a friend to the foreigner, understanding that, that, it, that they may not ever get anything in return, but it may make an, a difference for people who need something in that very moment. So what, what God taught his people, who were a lot of whom were farmers, is, is don't go ahead and harvest everything. Leave it for people that might need it. Now, this com- concept of gleaning also uh, reminded me of a story in the Old Testament uh, about a, a lady named Ruth. And, and, and some of you that have grown up in the church, you, you, you understand, remember that story. You remember hearing about it. You understand the concept of it. But let me remind uh, some of us that Ruth was a foreigner and she was a stranger. But she was not a part of the Israelites. She was not Jewish uh, by birth. But in fact, she had married a husband who was Jewish in another country. And when her, husband's die, or when her husband died, uh, she leaned into her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law said, I've got nothing left here. I am gonna go home to be with my people. And Ruth decided to join her in that adventure. And when they got to the Israelite people, right? And back to the land, they didn't have much. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't have much to offer. And, and what did they do for survival? Ruth went and gleaned the fields went to the edges of the field and began to survive by the generosity and the care of the stranger and for the foreigner. And, and, and I think one of the cool things is this, is if it wasn't for this concept, we wouldn't have known who Jesus was. Because Ruth is adopted within the lineage of David, who, by the way, she's like the great uh, grandma of David, great, great grandma of, of David. And because she received uh, the blessing of this concept of caring for the foreigner, Jesus comes beyond her. And how many are thankful that Jesus is the one who, who makes life worth living? You know what I'm saying? Like, and so it's so cool to see that interconnectedness and in the concept of caring for the foreigner because Ruth herself was a foreigner. Ruth was a stranger. She was a person that, that really needed that extra help at, a, at that given point of time. Now, go ahead, let's jump into how Jesus teaches this concept. In Luke chapter 6, verse 32, it says this, is if you, if, he says this, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But I say to you, 
And this is what Jesus is trying to tell this community. Love your enemies. I believe Jesus would say it even in this way. Love the foreigner and love the stranger. Love your enemies. Love the people that you don't know yet. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind even to the ungrateful and the wicked. My big idea that I want to leave with you today, something I want you to remember beyond this moment, what I'm hoping that you would apply to your life, your your weekly rhythms and understanding is this, is Jesus never commends hospitality that includes people that they like. But he commends hospitality to those people who include people who they don't like yet. Did you hear me? Jesus does not commend us for liking or loving or caring for the people that we care for already. In fact, he challenges us. And I'm telling you, this is easier said than done. He challenges us and he mandates us to be people of hospitality, not to the people who are going to repay us, but the people that may never be able to repay us. And maybe even to the people we don't like yet. See, Jesus, when he was here and, and he was teaching people like us, man, he challenged the Pharisees and he cha- challenged the leaders to love like him. Illustratively, uh, and as I was thinking about this in my own life, I'm not saying that I've hit a home run with this uh, most days uh, or most opportunities, but I remember early on in youth ministry, um, I was learning a lot. And, and in that process, um, I, I, I learned that I, as a young youth pastor, I couldn't do this alone. I mean, I could make a difference uh, in, in a very small way if I just did it all myself. But what I realized a little bit down the road is I needed other quality people around me. And uh, this one guy uh, I, I, I came in contact with and he wanted to, to, to really be mentored by me as a, as a youth leader. And, and I said, sure, man, like, like, let's do it. You know, and I didn't really know who he was that very much. So, but um, we start doing life together. And I remember he joined the youth leader team that I had. And, and I had a number of youth leaders come up to me and say like, dude, why is this guy around? He's kind of weird. He's a little strange. And, and like, man, he just doesn't, like, he doesn't click with us. Like he doesn't like, he doesn't look like us. He doesn't really even talk like us. He doesn't really have the same interests. And, and I remember looking at the leaders and, and, and just telling them uh, something like this, like, like man, um, there's a lesson for you to learn here. There's not only a lesson that he needs to learn, but there's truly a lesson that is mutual. And you know what, you know what hospitality does? It helps us learn some of those lessons. And, and when I think about uh, this young man uh, who, who stuck it out with me, mind you, because dude, I need some help too. <laughs> I'm not the easiest guy to be around either. Um, but over time, what I, what I think is really cool is uh, because of proximity, because of grace, because of, of, of some, some um, maybe just attitudes that were changed. This young man wasn't just an annoyance. He became adored within the community that I was able to lead. 
because there is a little bit of patience. You know what I'm saying? There's a little bit of that philo kind of friendship love that, that adopted in, him in. And I am just so excited to tell you today, he is now a pastor in Minnesota. You know what I'm saying? Like, how cool is that? I mean, it wasn't really about how I felt. It, doesn't, it wasn't really about how some other person felt about him or how he was feeling. It was about living out the mandate of hospitality to love and care for the people who you may not like yet. I want to lean into uh, another word within this, uh, this verse. Uh, and I want to focus on, and so if you have your Bibles again, 1 Peter chapter 4, in uh, verse 9, it says, offer hospitality to one another mutually without grumbling. And, and I, I've just kind of talked about that. But in verse 10, it says this, and, and, I, I, and I want to make it really clear, like, like this is in context with the verse that was just talked about, okay? Contextually, this is connected right to this idea of being hospi- hospitable, Okay. Verse 10, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in this various form, in their various forms, okay? And, and, and I'm kind of really, really hammering this home because I need you to see something different today, okay? Because a lot of times when we read the word gifts, scripturally, we go into this idea of the word of not words of knowledge, spiritual gifting, speaking in tongues. We think of prophecy and, and some of those big, uh, big hitter gifts in scripture. But I believe contextually, uh, the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal something to us in a new light that is awfully practical. And, and so I would ask you this with, with kind of setting it up, is what gift do you have? I mean, really, what practical gift do you have? And what I want to do today is I want to help you see one of those that the vast majority of us have. And I need your participation. How many of you own your home? How many are paying for your home right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm saying it's a little different. Uh, and some of those that are like literal out there, you're like, no, I don't technically own my home. But now raise your hand. If you own a home, you're paying for home, you're, you're paying for your mortgage. You know what I'm saying? How many of you are paying rent for your house? Okay, keep your hands up, everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? You own a home, you're renting a home, you know, I'm paying for your mortgage. Like, like that's the vast majority of us in the room. And what I want to help you realize is this, is your home is a gift. And in context of the scripture of God mandate us and mandating us to, to be hospitable, God wants us to use our home, what we have in our everyday ordinary Life And let me help you understand. So some of you are struggling like, no, man, man, my home isn't a gift. I pay for it. I'm working for it. Like, you know, like, yes, yes, that's true. But I also want you to realize that, that it is a gift that God has given you. And he wants to help you leverage that gift to make a difference in the kingdom of God. In the United States, the homeless population in 2020 was 580,000 people. I mean, I can't even fathom that number. I mean, that is a huge number. I, it's hard for me to understand that how that's even possible in the United States. 
But then when I continued down the road of, 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 of kind of looking up some of these statistics, like the United States is not really even that big of a problem in comparison to other countries like Nigeria in 2023 that reported that there were 24 million people in their country that is homeless. And again, I can't, I can't even wrap my mind on 560,000, let alone 200 or 24 million And I want to just make this point here very simple. You being born in the United States was a gift from God when it comes to your home. I mean, just think about that. I mean, if we lived in Nigeria, I think it's about 10% of their population is is homeless. That means 10% of us would simply not have the means or method to be able to afford that home which is, is just mind-blowing. And, and I only tell you that statistic is this, is to remind you that, that it is a gift to lift, live in Rochester, Minnesota, even in the winter. It is a gift and, and we should see that. And, 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 and I want to just ask you this simple question today is when was the last time you used that gift for God's kingdom? I mean, really, when was the last time you used the gift of your home to make a difference in another person's life. 2,000 years ago, Peter instructs the New Testament church and he reminds us today that, that it is a mandate to use, his, to use our homes with a good attitude so that God's kingdom might advance. But we find ourselves 2,000 years later barely even inviting anybody into our home. Like, like uh, I'm sorry to be super practical today, but, but I, I think what we've got in the American culture, and I know I'm just preaching to the choir today, I think we just got a load of excuses and why we, we aren't into hospitality, why we aren't, invite, we aren't into the business of inviting people into our homes to show them that brotherly love and care even to the stranger. And I, I, I just kind of whipped up 10 excuses that we have. I think most of us would relate to at least one of them with the help of my wife. I think number one, uh, the number one reason why we don't invite our uh, friends or even strange, more importantly, probably strangers uh, or people we don't know yet into our home is because we're anxious about it. I think most of us would relate to that. Uh, the, the second excuse we use, I think, is this, and, and maybe if you rent a house uh, or maybe you're in your first house, potentially, uh, we, we, we kind of just uh, cite the excuse that our home is too small. Uh, the other excuse that we have is, is, uh, is, is we're introverted or I'm just shy. It's not really in my makeup. Number four, I think a lot of us would say, man, I don't really even know how to host people. Like I've never... Really, like I didn't grow in a home, grow up in a home where I was taught like how uh, hospitality works or how, how it is to invite someone in. So maybe you just don't simply feel equipped. Uh, if I can just say it like it is, I think some of us were just straight up selfish. You know, I'm sorry to speak to you so frankly, but, but I think, and again, I'm preaching to the choir so no one's in the room, but... but <laughs> But for some of us, we're just selfish, man. We want our time. We want our space. And, and, and you know what? You know, scram. You know, find another home. You know, whatever it is. Uh, I think some of us, we don't want to invite people into our home because we're, we, we're, fear, we're fearing rejection. 
we're insecure about this concept. Like we, we hate the idea of, of, of getting a no from someone that we might invite. And again, like all these excuses, man, I've used them. Like it's easy to, to just kind of excuse away the mandate that God has given us. Number seven, how about this? Someone else will do it. We, use, we have the mentality of like, ah, someone else will do it. And Christy helped remind me of that. And I think such a good point. Uh, maybe, maybe someone else won't do it. How about number eight, comparison? You know, like, man, I know some people that are really good at hosting a party. I know some people that have really nice houses. I know, you know, some people that just have space or they have that personality. And because of that type of comparison, we never take a step out and be the people that God has called us to be. How about this? Number nine, lack of trust. Dude, that's, I mean, this is a crazy, crazy concept, inviting a stranger into your home. It is. I mean, I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. I know that it is not easy. And number 10, I think this is probably the best one. Um, You have too many cats. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't have 10. I only had nine. I needed to throw that one in there just for fun, okay? And nothing against cats. I love cats. My wife hates them, okay? So anyway, um, we do love cats. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, sorry to be so practical today. Um, but I, what I want to do today, and again, I, I know this is awfully practical, but I want to help you become a host. I want to help you uh, get a little bit better in this concept of hospitality because I think there are some, I think there is certain things that we can apply uh, to become a better host. Uh, and I'll just tell you this is when I, when I bought my house um, in Rochester, like 20 years ago, my first house, like I was a youth pastor and, uh, and man, I had literally no furniture and I invited all the teens in. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think there's probably a better way. In fact, I married a woman who is the best host that I've ever known. You know what I'm saying? So like I've learned and gleaned some things off of her, but uh, tips to host, you know, thanks to Christy, you know, because I've learned these all from her. Uh, number one, if you're going to host, you're going to become a hospitable person. You know what you need to do is clean your house. <laughs> clean your house. Okay, now let me, you know, let me really talk about it. Okay, clean those toilets please, at least the one you're going to let other people use. Clean those toilets. Okay, I'm really messing with some people today. Uh, number two, if you're going to become a host, if you're going to really become hospitable, I think it's really important to schedule it. If you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. Number three, don't do it alone. Like, you literally, like, find, like, like, you know, like Batman and Robin, you know, like find your Robin. You know what I'm saying? Like, like find that other person that will come alongside you to, to help host and, and take some of, the, uh, some of the pressure off your shoulders. Uh, number four, I think a lot of us, we look at hosting and, and we think of small groups and we think of like, man, yeah, we do need to invite a bunch of people in our home. No, don't invite a bunch of people. Just invite one other person. Host one other person. Don't start with 20. Start with one. I think when you're hosting, I want you to remember this as as a practical thing to apply to your life. It's not about what is on the table. It's about who's at the table. Christy Christy and I had a ton of teens over our house. And you know what? We'd serve them popcorn and lemonade because that's what we could afford. Did you hear that? 
Popcorn we popped ourselves and watered down lemonade. Come on, somebody. The worst lemonade in the world. Gosh, that was me, not Christy. Trust me, I made the lemonade. But literally, I'd go to, and here's, here's, here's the hack, okay? We got those whirly, anybody got a whirly popper? Come on. I mean, that could preach. You put the whirly prop popper on that stove, you go to a fleet farm, you get the big 10-pound bag of, of $9.99 popcorn. I'm telling you, it is the best. Don't, cheap on, uh, don't go cheap on your butter, and you'll make a difference in someone's life, okay? So there it is. Okay, it's not about what's on the table, it's about who's at the table. Uh, number six, like I know I'm talking about, I'm getting really practical, I'm giving you a lot of advice, but bottom line, number six is don't overthink it. And number eight, or number seven would be just do it. Just start, just try it. Like, be okay to fail. Like, you know what I'm saying? You'll learn along the way. And, and one of the things is Christy and I have hosted a ton of people. And, and I remember about four years ago, we were hosting people, like three, four uh, different groups of people in our pre-launch season of Echo. We were overwhelmed with it. And Christy and I had that conversation. We were like, hey, you know, this is just the season we're in. And we're gonna invite a bunch of strangers and a bunch of people we don't know. We don't know if we even like them yet into our home and knew what we did. We just tried to make it simple. We just picked our like five go-to meals and maybe five go-to restaurants or a restaurant or two. And we just rinsed and repeated the cycle. You know what I'm saying? Because no, someone that came over Monday never knew on Friday that we just ate that two days ago. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't need to be that hard. So let's stop making it that difficult. Okay, so, so that's how you can become a host. Now, now, my goal and my hope is this, is that we all leave this space with the hope that we're gonna host someone. But I wanna remind you, this is a mutual concept. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're not just called to, to be hosted, you're also called to host. And so we can become better hosts, we can become hospitable, better, you know, better people of hospitality. Uh, but yet I think we as a church and we as a society, we need a little uh, help on how to be hosted better. Can I give you those? Okay. Uh, my first one, this is pretty serious. Don't be a mooch. <laughs> you guys got quiet really fast. <laughs> Don't be, I mean, really, just bring something. Can, just ask the people that are hosting, can I bring something? It means so much to me when I'm hosting on a Wednesday with my group of guys that I, that I, I hang with. Is this, is like a, a number of them say, like, can I bring something? Or I'm going to bring this. I mean, I just appreciate someone bringing something. I mean, it's just, a, it's just an easy, practical thing to be hosted. I'm telling you what, if you offer to bring someone, you'll probably be invited back. You'd be surprised. Uh, how about this? When you bring that something, this is kind of a pet peeve here. When you bring something, just leave it there w- with them. I mean, let's just like really get down in, in the dirt a little bit. I know who you are. You brought a bag of chips and you brought that like quarter left chips home that had like a quarter left of salsa. Just leave it or at least offer to leave it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like come on, man. Like, come on, like just be generous, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Uh, number three, how about this? Anybody, if you want to be hosted to become uh, maybe a little bit more considerate to the, the host is uh, offer to help clean up. If, you have, if you've brought kids and they're playing down in the, the kids' room, like, like offer to go clean up those toys and uh, offer to clean my toilets, please. I'd appreciate that. I, uh, no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. We won't let you do that. Well, maybe, maybe I might let you. But uh, 
How about this one? This is, this is a good one. This is near and dear to my heart. Uh, don't stay too late. I know who you are. I have a little bit of a, a tip. If you're over at my house and you see me brushing my teeth, you've overstayed your welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm not joking. My old house, my old, which was a ram, a wall, you know, just a rambler, um, our, we didn't have a master bathroom. So that worked so well on so many teens. And a lot of them never really understood it. But literally, I'm, I'd be sitting in the bathroom outside the door going like this. <laughs> oh, anyway, so don't make me brush my teeth. 10 o'clock's my bedtime. Um, how about this? Uh, as, as, as you're being hosted, say thank you. Like, like, honestly, like, it can't get more simple than that. Number six, this is this maybe a little pet peeve too. Like if someone's hosting you, and I, it's, I'm kind of preaching to ourselves here a little bit, be on time. I know who you are. Be on time. And then uh, this one I think is really important in this society. I think, I think a lot of us, we operate in the, the yes, no, maybe component. And a lot of us don't know how to smell yes. And we don't know how to say no. And so we just constantly operate in the maybe. Someone will invite you over to their house and you'll just say this, maybe. And I know what's going on behind the scene. You're just kind of looking for better options potentially. You know what I'm saying? And uh, in a very non-joking way, I would say this is the power of the local church will never be seen in that gray area of maybe. And some of you are sitting here today and you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll. Maybe I'll become a host. Maybe I'll be open to walk into a stranger's home. Maybe I'll apply this to my life. And, 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 and I know maybe this is a little different for some of you, but I just felt uh, that I needed to just be real with you today, that God is calling us to be friendly to the stranger, to care for those people that can't care back. To, to, to step up to the mandate of being the local church, to being people that are willing to live out at the Acts story that, that, that simply says this, that they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. And because of that commitment, because of living out that mandate, they changed the world. And we're sitting in this gathering today. And in a very visionary kind of uh, concept, I, I just think we're in a unique city. And we're in a city where we've had tons of people move to Rochester to work at Mayo Clinic, to start a new career. And, and I want to remind you that many of you, you moved to this city and I want to evoke the memory of what it felt like to move to a new city, to start a new career and, and be excited about that, but know nobody. And to remember maybe the sense of loneliness and, and, and with loneliness, I, let's be honest, there's a lot, quite a bit of despair that comes with that and that relational depravity. And, and I, I just want to throw this out here. Would we be a church that sees the stranger and welcomes them in? Like I'm talking legitimately when you find out that someone moved the town, that you would be that crazy person that just might invite that person to your house. What if we were that type of church in 2023? John Milton says this, loneliness is the first, first thing that God's eyes named not good in the creation of the world. Can we be a church 
Can we be a conduit? Can we be a persons of hospitality? Could we be a, a group of people that would invite the stranger into our home so we could see the kingdom of God advance, the love of Jesus experienced in another person? I think one of the coolest stories I've heard about Echo is this, is there was a, uh, a family that now attends Echo Church. They had never come to a Sunday morning, but they had watched us online and, and they felt compelled to join one of our table communities. So absolute strangers to Echo Church and they signed up online to join a family's home. To, and that family, the Mullins, were graceful enough to allow that stranger who they didn't know to come to their table group. And they ended up coming and committing to Echo Church because they were invited into their home. I mean, how cool is that? This week, I, I, another story, uh, we just got a, a text from friends um, hearing that our ministry friends, uh, one of them, uh, have, have really just gotten a horrible diagnosis. And because of that, they're gonna be visiting Mayo Clinic. And, and, uh, and that text message was in essence, just asking us if we knew of anybody that, that could potentially host this family while they're receiving care at Mayo. And, and I just wanna report, you know, all it took from Christy and I is one text message to get that covered. And I'm just wondering if that's the type of church we could be. Just one text message that if we see or hear of a need, that we can do it. Because God has called us to be people, to love the stranger, to care for the foreigner, to see the needy and say, yes. Jesus today, I know today was extremely practical. But may it be a reminder that you came 2,000 years ago with an invitation. You didn't have a home, but you always had a place. You always had a space for those that you invited in. Jesus, I mean, really cool. cool the cool thing is, Jesus, you are one of the most interruptible people that has ever been on this earth. And you modeled hospitality even without the gift of a home. And if you modeled it, I just sense, Lord, we might be able to live it. You've equipped us with that home. And I just ask that you would just help us to have the guts to step up and be the church that you called us to be. In Jesus' name. Will you stand up and worship with me?
Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Let's celebrate some people that maybe said the prayer for the first time today. Another group we want to celebrate is those people that are cheering for the Vikings with me later on today. Come on, let's celebrate those people. And the last group we really want to celebrate is those that came to church for the very first time today. Please, when you leave here today, go to the info table. Get a free coffee card. Let us know your name. Echo Church, we love you. We can't wait to see you next week. And uh, cheer for the Vikings. Thanks.